Romans 8.15 says, You did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. Welcome to Spirit of Adoption Radio, where we soar above all the darkness of this world and see things in the light of God's eternal perspective. Now, here's your hosts, Kevin and Tabitha Lavelle. Everybody, shalom. We're so thankful and blessed that you would choose to join us today for episode number 61 of Spirit of Adoption Radio. I'm Kevin, and with me as always is my dear wife, Tabitha. How are you today, Svia? I'm doing great, just resting in the Lord and in His peace. Amen. Passes all understanding. Amen. Yes, it it surely does. That's right. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of things that are going on in this world. We don't know where it's all going right now, but we know where it's all going in the end. Yeah. Right? That's right. Amen. It's all going to the throne of God. Mm. Amen? Yes. You're just I, on one side or the other. Yeah. I think so many people are really wrestling with those type of questions right now. Like, you know, we don't know where all of this is going, but mm-hmm. we know the Bible. We know we can read that and trust that. That's and right. You know, we don't have to know everything. That's right. We just have to know him. Yes. And walk by faith, really. In the end, just Mm -hmm. walking by faith is the most important thing. That's right. And there's a lot of fears in this world, Mm. isn't there? Definitely. But there is a fear that helps us to conquer all of the worldly fears. Mm. It's the fear of the Lord. Amen. That's true. Yeah. You know, this this radio show, ever since the beginning, has really talked a lot about fear, especially in a lot of the earlier episodes when COVID was sort of coming out, you know, and some of those earlier episodes. This has been sort of a theme of our show throughout the time that we've been doing it. Amen. There's unhealthy fears and there's a healthy fear. Yeah. And so this episode is called Sanctify Christ as Lord in Your Heart and Receive Relief from Worldly fears. Mm. Amen. That's beautiful. And I think this last year has shown that there's a lot of fear that people are susceptible to under the right circumstances or the wrong circumstances. Mm -hmm. You know, it reveals the fears in their life. Right. So we want to encourage everybody to choose the fear of the Lord Mm. rather than these worldly fears that ultimately lead people away from the fear of the Lord. Yeah. That's what this world really needs to find is the fear of the Lord that leads them to the love of the Lord. That's right. And Amen. when you fall in love with Jesus and when you find that love, it does. It really washes over all of those fears. Amen. And so we need the fear of the Lord to overcome the fear of man. Mm. Amen. Amen. So there's a couple messages I've, I've put together, different parts of them. And a good friend of ours, he's sharing these things. 
Yes. And he's talking about Isaiah chapter 8, when the Assyrians were coming upon the, the people of Israel. Mm. And they had great fear because the Assyrians were surrounding them, were going to wipe them out. And there was fear of that persecution, that suffering. And God had something to say about that mm. to the people through, through the prophet Isaiah. And then I clipped together another message where he's speaking about Isaiah chapter 8, but he's also sharing from 1 Peter chapter 3, where Peter's writing about suffering and persecution that's coming upon the children of God in the first century. Mm. And Peter quotes from Isaiah chapter 8. And so there's a wonderful connection there. Mm. Amen. So I'm going to play these couple clips right now, and I hope it encourages all of our listeners to choose the fear of the Lord and receive relief from any worldly fear that you might be experiencing. Amen. The fear of the Lord relieves us from worldly fears. This is an important one. These are all important. But the fear of the Lord relieves us from worldly fears. Is the world in a little bit of fear right now? I mean, people don't even want to leave their homes. They don't want to go to a restaurant. They don't want to go into a store. And whether it's because of violence or it's because of diseases or it's because of whatever. And we need to be wise, amen, in the decisions we make because we live in a crazy world. But we need to fear the Lord, not the things of this world. And I love this. The fear of the Lord relieves us from worldly fears. Remember Jesus said in Luke 21, the end of days, as things get closer, the birth pains increase, people's hearts will fail them for fear of things coming on the earth. Amen? But he said for us as believers, we're not to fear those things, but we're supposed to look up when we see these things happening to him. Amen? And know that our redemption is getting closer because it's exactly what he said would happen. And our faith should grow. And I love it because the fear of the Lord relieves us from worldly fears. Isaiah 8, 13 it's talking about the, 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 and it wasn't an imaginary thing. They were saying conspiracy, a conspiracy. Oh no. They were freaking out. And they went wrong to say, yeah, that's a conspiracy because guess what? The Assyrians were coming. Okay. But to make that their focus. Oh no, we're dead. They should be free in the Lord. And look what he says. The Lord of hosts says, let him be your fear. Let the Lord be your fear. And let him be your dread, and he will become a sanctuary. So you make the Lord your fear, and then you have peace, amen? Then he's your sanctuary. Then he protects you. He keeps you. So a proper fear of the Lord keeps us uh, in his sanctuary. And guess what? When you fear the Lord, listen to, uh, listen to what the scriptures say about fearing the Lord. I love this, is, is the fear of the Lord gives us a refuge in him. And we don't have to fear the things of the world. In fact, Psalm 112 verse 1 says this and verse 6. Praise the Lord. How blessed is the man who fears the Lord, who greatly delights in his commandments. For he will never be shaken. The righteous will be remembered forever. He will not fear. So if you fear the Lord, you will not fear the things of this world. Amen. There it is again. He will not fear evil tidings. His heart is steadfast, okay? Trusting in the Lord. His heart is upheld. He will not fear until he looks with satisfaction on his adversary. I mean, God's going to take care of the wicked, man. He's going to deal with them. This is powerful. And it's a trip because there's a great illustration of this in the book of Job. Because it's, there's this two types of fear going on. And at first, they're freaking out because of the storm, right? And I'm sorry, not the book of Job. In Jonah. The book of Jonah, the storm's raging, man, because Jonah's in rebellion to God. And we read in the first chapter that the sailors, they were, fear was just overcoming them, right? And then we learn that Jonah, well, guess what? Guess who he fears? He fears the Lord God while they're fearing the storm. 
And it says as that they, it says in verse 10, they had fear with greater fear. Their fear of just being capsized and dying was growing. But Jonah was fearing the Lord because he knew where the source of this was taking place. And, and we read that the sailors turned their fear to him. And when they recognized that Jonah was being judged by God, he jumped off, right? Then the storm stopped. Well, yeah, he kind of got help, you know? <laughs> he kind of got help, man. So, uh, but, you know, he volunteered as well, though, you know, because he's a picture of Christ who gave himself for us. Amen. Actually, the first Adam got us. We're all in the same boat because the first Adam, but we've kind of, we've chosen sin too. And that's why the, there's a storm in this world in this boat that we're in. Amen. But the second Adam came, Jesus. Amen. He plunged into the water for us. Amen. And he died in our place. As Jonah was in the belly for the great fish for three days and three nights, so shall the Son of Man be the heart of it. That's a picture of Jesus. Amen. And only when Jesus gives his life does a storm stop of wrath against us. But it says of the sailors, it says they turned to fear him and quote, and greatly feared the Lord. Verse 16. Wow. I love that, man. So they realized it's not the storm. I need to be fearful of it. It's him, the God of the storm, the God who's in control of everything. Amen. And that's what we need to learn today. You need to fear the Lord. And when you fear the Lord, you recognize that whatever happens with the storm, I'm in his hands. He's my sanctuary, right? Neither height nor depth nor principality or power or any other created thing can separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus, amen? If you are trusting Jesus, he says, the Father and myself, he goes, we're stronger than everyone, man. No one can pluck you out of our hand, amen? The question is, are you abiding in him? If you abide in the fear of the Lord, you ab- abide in the wings and under the shadow of the Almighty God which is the best place you could possibly be, amen? But the question is, are you choosing today the fear of the Lord? So how are we to do this? Well, verse 15, let's look at it again. But sanctify Christ as Lord in your hearts, always being ready to make a defense to everyone who asks you to give an account for the hope that is in you, yet with gentleness and reverence. There is so much to unpack in this verse. And I'm not going to do it the justice. We could probably spend months on it, but we need to study other parts of the Scripture too, amen? But it's a very interesting passage. Uh, now, I think right off the bat, what most people miss and most commentators miss is in 1 Peter 3.15, when it's saying, sanctify Jesus as Lord in your heart. It's telling, him to get, telling you to give him the highest place in your heart, and most will acknowledge that. But it's referring to him as God here, as God in your heart, which would really be good for Jehovah's Witnesses and Mormons and Christian scientists and Scientologists and all the other isms and ists around that don't know Jesus uh, as God because Satan always wants to deny who he is. But what's really profound about this verse, I think it's very heavy, is that Peter is not only alluding to, but actually is quoting part of Isaiah chapter 8, verses 12 and 13. And I'll read that passage to you. Peter, or Isaiah, is a section of chapters there where he's telling Isaiah the prophet, God is telling him through Isaiah, having him tell the people that they're not supposed to be afraid of all these conspiracies that are going around. They're supposed, not that they're not to be aware of what's going on, because the people are saying conspiracy, conspiracy. And there was a conspiracy going on. The northern kingdom of Israel was about ready to be, you know, led into captivity by the Assyrians. They were mounting their warfare. They were getting ready. And people were freaking out, though. They got their eyes off the Lord, and they got their eyes on the persecution that was coming, 
And they began to fear. Can you imagine if you found out that, hey, guess what? You know, in a matter of just a few weeks, the, you know, former Soviet Union just joined with China and there, and Biden, you know, cause the deal he has with his son and China, everything just kind of gave in and just says, which is, you know, not going to happen like that, hopefully, right? But all of a sudden, all of a sudden you're going to have, you know, the, the red Chinese, you know, um, you know, just walking our streets and we're all going to be taken captive and we're all going to become communists and stuff and so forth. I'm not saying that's going to happen at all. I'm just saying, could you imagine if you knew that was happening in a few weeks, you'd probably freak out, right? Well, guess what? You never know what's going to happen because all kinds of things happen in different countries. Uh, or what if it, it took place where all of a sudden you found out, well, in a couple weeks, we're not allowed to go to the church anymore, period. But this time it's because of our faith, you know. We're not allowed to assemble. And if you publicly talk about Christ or share with him, you're going, you can go to prison or even die. Now, a lot of professing Christians would just throw in the towel because a lot of people don't even have real faith. Others with real faith, genuine faith, uh, would be really taxed and in trouble and have to make a choice. But those who put Christ first as Lord in their hearts and recognize him as God and exalt him as God and honor him as God in their hearts, they will have the best opportunity and will eventually and ultimately, as long as they continue to relate to him as God in their hearts, will have success. And when you understand the context of Peter's first illusion in this verse, in the context of his book, it's really, really heavy when you think about it. Why don't you get your brain around this with me? Because in 1 Peter 3.15, he's quoting from Isaiah 8, 12, and 13. Let me read verses 12 and 13. Peter says, in Isaiah, I'm sorry, Isaiah says, or it's written in verses 12 and 13, you are not to say it's a conspiracy in regard to all this people call a conspiracy. You are not to fear what they fear or to be in dread of it. It is the Lord. Now, in verses 12 and 13, when he says, it is the Lord, in verse 13, in English, it's all caps, L-O-R-D, all caps, which when you see all caps in most of your translations, uh, when you just see capital L, but you see just O-R-D, it's usually speaking of who? Adonai. It's usually that Hebrew word. Okay? But when you see it all caps, L-O-R-D, in the Old Testament, in your English Bibles, what does that typically signify is in the underlying Hebrew that the English is translated from? Man, good job. Yahweh, amen. Yahweh, the Tetragrammaton, Y-H-W-H, amen. So he is saying, you are not to fear what they fear to be dread of, or be in dread of it. It is the Lord, Yahweh, Y-H-W-H, the Tetragrammaton, of hosts, of armies, whom you should regard as holy. Meaning, who you shall what? Sanctify. Regard as holy. Who you shall sanctify. And he shall be your fear. And he shall be your dread. Now, it's interesting because it's even stronger, the connection in the Greek translation, the Septuagint, the Greek translation of the Old Testament, uh, which says, consecrate the Lord himself, and he will be your fear. Sounds a lot like sanctify the Lord in your hearts. Amen? And scholars are in agreement. Uh, that he's referring to the LXX or the Septuagint, which is a Greek translation of the Old Testament, which Peter quotes in 1 Peter 2.4. Jesus and the apostles quote over and over again. Uh, and that, but this is what's heavy. Go back to 1 Peter 3.15 now. And Peter is quoting from the Greek Septuagint, which is talking about regarding who is holy. Yahweh, right? And to fear him, 
So you don't have a fear of all these conspiracies and all these problems and the coming invasion. So now when you look at 3.15, tell me, brothers and sisters, who is, who is Peter referring to as Yahweh? 1 Peter 3.15. But sanctify who? Christ as Lord in your hearts. Peter, in the writers of the New Testament, understood that Jesus is Yahweh. He is the God of creation. In fact, Paul talks about how he created all things, you know, uh, a number of times that the fullness of the deity dwelt in him in bodily form. Colossians chapter 2, amen. He is before all things. He made all things. Colossians chapter 1, the book of Ephesians, elsewhere. book of Hebrews says that God says to thy God, you have made everything. Father speaks to the Son. You made everything. Heavens, the earth, everything, you know. John 1, 1 through 3, in the beginning was word, the word was with God, the word was God, the same was the beginning with God, and nothing came to being but by him. He made everything. So we see that throughout the New Testament. I am the Alpha, the Omega. At the beginning and the ending, saith the Lord, which is, which was, which is to come, the Almighty. Revelation 1, 8. That's speaking of Jesus. Yeah, because 1, 7, he says, Jesus says, behold, I'm coming to the clouds, every eye shall see me. Uh, and they also which pierce me, and all kings of the earth shall well because of him. Even so, amen, I am the Alpha, the Omega. Beginning and the ending. That's, you know, I won't quote the whole thing again, but it ends with the Almighty. Okay, he's the Almighty. He is Yahweh. And throughout Isaiah, Yahweh, Y-H-W-H, tetragrammaton, signifying the Jews took out the vowels, so we just have the, the, the consonants, Y-H-W-H, and we try to fill in the gaps of where what the vowels may have been, so we often say Yahweh. We don't know exactly how it's pronounced. But throughout Isaiah, the Yahweh, the true God, over and over again says, I'm the only God. I am the first and last beside me, there is no God. Amen. Thus saith the Lord, the King of Israel, and his Redeemer, the Lord of hosts. I am the first and last beside me, there is no God. And there is no Savior besides me. So you come to the New Testament, and the New Testament writers knew that he is God. And here you have a striking example of the deity of Christ, which 99% of Christians aren't aware of. It's just there. Because he's using the Septuagint, which is super strong. And the, the context for us, though, okay, it's important to understand that. That you are basically called, you are commanded, I am commanded to what? Exalt Christ, sanctify Christ, honor Christ, set apart Christ as Lord, consecrate Christ as Lord in my heart, as Yahweh, as God in my heart. You can't obey that scripture as a Jehovah's Witness. You can't obey that scripture as a Mormon. The uncreated creator of all things who is before all things, who says in Isaiah, there's no God before me, there's no God after me. Mormon can't believe that. They believe he's just one of many gods in a pantheon of gods. So you understand why certain groups are considered cults and outside the pale of Christian orthodoxy. But understand for you and me, on a practical basis, we need to make sure that Jesus Christ is being honored and sanctified as Lord in our hearts. Now, how does this tie into Isaiah? What's Isaiah's concern, brothers and sisters? Come on now. Come on, what's his concern with regard to those he's addressing? That their fear of what? Persecution, their fear of uh, war and so forth is overtaking their fear of God and putting the Lord first. And when you start fearing other things other than the Lord, you start making terrible decisions that don't honor the Lord. He says, I am to be your dread. I am to be your fear. And when you start, if you fear man more than Christ, more than God, what's going to happen? The scriptures are very, very clear that many believed on Jesus, but they did not follow him, it says in the Gospel of John, because they loved the praise of men more than, love of, more than the uh, praise of God. And they didn't want to be kicked out of the synagogues. 
So many Jews understood. They saw the miracles. They're like, whoa. They knew deep down he's the Messiah, but they didn't want to lose their place in society. And are you understanding? Peter's dealing with a context similar to that because Christians are being persecuted. And the context of 1 Peter, which is important to understand now, is Peter is writing to a persecuted group of Christians who are under heavy-duty persecution, who may end up fearing man more than God. And how are they to overcome that fear of man? Just like what Isaiah said, right? Consecrate who? Lord. Yahweh is Lord. and Fear Him. Regard Him as holy. Right? So you don't fear the Assyrians. And you don't worry about this, all these conspiracies. Same with us. In Peter's day. Yes, Christians are being heavily persecuted. But fear Christ as Yahweh in your hearts. And don't fold to those fears and make terrible decisions ungodly decisions. Don't fall into temptations. Don't give in to persecution. Don't renounce your faith. Are you with me? Pretty heavy, huh? And we just begun. The Bible's just so rich, especially when you cross-reference and you see the interscriptural relationship between the different books and what the author and the Holy Spirit through Peter is getting at here. Now, in fact, let's look at the context just Let's go back, look at chapter 3, verse 15, but back up a couple verses. Verse 13, he's talking about persecution. Who is there to harm you if you prove zealous for what is good? Right? That's the key again. Who can harm you if you're proving zealous for what is good? Well, if I'm zealous for what is good, I'm more likely to harm I get killed. Paul said to live as Christ, Philippians 1.21, to live as Christ and what? To die as gain. Jesus said, they're going to hand you over to be killed. Yet not one hair in your head will perish. Luke 21. What? That's because we'll be resurrected. Amen? To be absent from the body, to be present with the Lord. Who's it to harm you if you do, if you prove zealous for what is good? Verse 14. But even if you should suffer for the sake of righteousness, because that could happen, you are blessed and do not fear their intimidation. Do not be troubled. Context, right? Fearing intimidation from the outside. Persecution, but what? Just like Isaiah, sanctify Christ as Lord in your hearts. Except now, now it's even more radical because now we know that Yahweh became flesh. Amen. God became a man. Sanctify, set apart, consecrate, honor Christ as Lord in your hearts. Always be ready to make a defense to everyone who asks. Ask you to give an account for the hope that is in you, yet with gentleness. And reverence. Man, I love this, guys. We have such an awesome God. Now, this is a command. This isn't something we come and get together in fellowship. We're like, oh, you know, we're talking, and Peter had this interesting idea that we might think about. No, this is a command from God. If you are not exalting Christ in your heart, setting, uh, you know, <laughs> sanctifying him as Lord in your hearts, you're in rebellion to him. Because someone or something is going to be Lord in your heart. We haven't been created in a vacuum. We have to serve the Lord God or we're going to end up serving the enemy in one way or another. Wow, that is some perspective for us to think about, isn't it? Praise God. Jesus, who is Yahweh. Mm. Amen. Yahweh is the family name of God. So it doesn't just apply to Jesus, the Messiah. Mm. It applies to the Father, to the Son, to the Holy Spirit, one. Wow. It's the family name of God, Yahweh. Mm. And so 
That is who Jesus is. Mm. He is Lord Yahweh, and we need to sanctify him as who he is in our heart. And that's God, which is greater yes. than anything in this world. Amen. Yes. Amen. Well, we just want to thank all of our listeners for joining us for another episode of Spirit of Adoption Radio. And also, we're really thankful for all of you who are sharing our show with your friends. This is such a blessing because we are noticing that there's a lot of people finding us and listening. So thank you for sharing. And if this episode has blessed you, please share with those that you love that this might be a blessing to them as well. Amen. Amen. And remember, God has not given us a spirit of fear but of power and love and a sound mind. He has everything under control. So look up and lift up your heads because your redemption draws near. Amen? Amen. Amen. May the Lord bless you as you seek him today. Maranatha. Thanks for listening to Spirit of Adoption Radio. You can reach us through our website, adoptionairfare.com. Also, please subscribe and leave us a review on the listening platform of your choice. Lord willing, we'll see you next time. Maranatha. 